and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Okay, good morning everybody. We're going to have some fun today. Okay, if you can't see, I'm wearing a t-shirt. T-shirt says, why are we here? I bought this a few years back, just saw it, I liked it. Chris always said, when you go to a shop, grab something that grabs you, and it grabbed me. But I think this is a really important question for this morning. It works on a few levels. Why are you here, i.e., Why did you come this morning? I find that an interesting question. What were the causes of why you came? Did you choose freely to come? Were there certain pressures on you? Certain obligations? Certain loyalties? Did you come because you had to? Maybe some people did. Kids might have come because they had to. Others of you might have come out of free choice. I think there's a bigger question as well. Think of the really big questions. By the way, we're going to go a bit deep today. Is that all right? Well, I think it's quite deep, and I think some people might think it's deep. Some of you already are like, (sighs) turning off. Anyone garden? If you garden and you want to get rid of something or really explore what's going on in your garden, you can't just work at a shallow surface. You have to go to the root of things and go deep. Are you with me? Excellent. So going deep is sometimes worthwhile if you want to really root out something and get to the causes of stuff. So I think it's worth doing. So the bigger question sometimes is, why are we here? Cosmically, when we look to the stars, when we think about all of the universe, why are we here? Now, I remember in the past, I was thinking about you this morning, Chris, because at the beginning you'd often say, I just want to tell you the end already, but I've got to flesh it out. As I was driving in this morning, something just went bing. I was like, why are we here? And I just thought, well, just because. That is one potential conclusion that I'm going to explore today. Just because. But also... Oh, I'm not going to tell you yet. I'll tell you at the end. But just because, I think, is our answer this morning. So just keep that in mind. Just because. Okay. I watched a video a few weeks ago, and it really got me thinking about the nature of our life, the nature of my life, um, and why I am here in the state that I am and other people are. So let's have a little look at this and then bounce off them thoughts. So there you go. Why on earth have I just showed you a marble rally? For the benefit of those listening on the podcast, we just watched a load of marbles uh, go down a beach, and one of them won. Now, the reason it's funny, and the reason some of you were giggling, is because the commentator was assuming that those marbles had some sense of free choice and free will. He takes him on the inside, always chosen that route. Did the marbles have any free choice? We look at it and go, well, of course they didn't. They're just marbles. They're just how they got released at the beginning determined 
how they ended up at the end. Maybe their collisions and interactions with each other determined where they end up at the end. Maybe it was the course, the nature of the course, that they somehow happened upon that determined their ending. So the question I had, to what extent am I like those marbles? To what extent are our lives just like those marbles? Why are you here in the way that you are? Why are you like you are? Why are the thoughts that are coming into your mind right now coming into your mind? Is it because actually how you were released, the journey so far, the interactions, how you maybe took the corners in your life because of what your parents said? This led me to an interaction with the philosophy of determinism. And um, we're going to watch a little video that probably does a better job than me of describing what determinism and free will are. And then we're going to dive into a little bit of why they may or may not be unhelpful and what we actually think about them. Let's have a look. So our big question this morning is, how free are you? We have a Kermit cartoon. Determinist might say this to Kermit. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is going to change your life forever. Are you really sure you want to know about it? For the benefit of those who can't see the screen, there is a doctor showing Kermit an x-ray with a hand inside him. Because the reality of this, to explain the joke, is that actually Kermit's actions are not caused by his own free will. Something else or someone else is determining them. Is that true for us? Well, determinism, we have a definition on the screen, is the belief that all actions and events result from other actions, events, or situations. So people cannot, in fact, choose what to do. The German philosopher Baron Dolbach said, everything is the inevitable result of what came before, including everything that we do. People call it the illusion of free will. You think you have free will, but you don't actually, because even the thoughts that are coming into your minds have been caused by a whole chain of events before you. Now, if this is making you angry, or bored, or confused, a determinist would say, well, that was inevitable. You're not choosing to be angry, bored, or confused. That's just happening because of how you were brought up and all these different things. It sounds ridiculous, but I think there might be some truth in it. Let's have a little look. Did you choose the moment in history which you were born into. That's probably had quite an effect on who you have become. Did you choose the family you were born into? There was once an Indian man who tried to sue his mum for giving birth to him because he said, I didn't choose this. You imposed it on me. I didn't want to be born, but you chose to have me born. She was also a lawyer, and she said, well, actually, if I'd have known what you'd have been like, I would have never given birth to you in the first place. Um, did you choose where you were raised in the world. I grew up in the countryside. It was quite lovely, but I also didn't have a lot of interactions with people on a daily basis. I was my own friend. Um, <laughs> but where I grew up has determined maybe a lot of what I've become. Did you choose how people treated you in your formative years? Did you choose how your parents raised you? The beliefs they brought you up with? their political leanings, their work ethic, how they disciplined you, their presence or absence in your life. These things, we could probably all agree, to a certain extent, determined who we've become. So are we just a product of all those things? And to what measure now do we still have free will? Or are we just robots that are on this path? 
To quote our upcoming Wicked Origins show, which explores the origins of fairy tale villains, are people born wicked or is wickedness just thrust upon them? To what extent do the people we perceive as villains in the world, to what extent was their villainy completely determined by their upbringing and their experiences, and to what extent are they freely choosing to be villains? Uh, I was chatting with Beth this week, because Beth works in prison, and I've been and visited uh, the Youth Offenders Institute where she works, and you meet these people, and to a certain extent you think, when I've heard your story, is there any wonder you did what you did? Were they bound to end up like that? And to what extent did they have a free choice in what they ended up doing? Here's some other questions I've thought about. To what extent, now I feel like this is a massive question, especially for this point in history, because I am seeing more and more I'm interacting with people who seem to be victims to their emotions. To what extent do our emotions happen to us? And to what extent can we choose how we feel? Like how you're feeling right now about what I'm saying. You might be feeling angry, irritated, bored, etc. To what extent are you choosing that? And to what extent is that happening to you? I'm on, I, I don't know, to be honest, but I have some feelings about it. Can I help them? Interesting. Can we choose our preferences? What music you like? What movies you like? Who decides that? Do you freely choose it, or is it just what you are? Your favorite foods, your phobias, your fears, are you freely choosing them out of free will, or have they been determined? Sports team loyalties, sexual attraction. Can you just change what or who you love, or has that been determined by other things? These are deep questions, aren't they? But I think these questions, we'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. I think these are things we have to consider. Your political persuasions. We may have a general election coming up at some point. How you feel about that. Are you freely choosing that? What has determined that? How much of your perspectives are freely chosen? What about your personality? How much of who you are has been determined by factors beyond your free will? Your experiences, your DNA, your upbringing. Oh, I'm going to say this, which star sign you're born under. Some people, or some of us might believe that actually where we were born and when we were born has determined how we react, feel, respond to things. Now, an American philosopher and neuroscientist called Sam Harris, who seems to be fairly everywhere on YouTube, uh, said this. There is no such thing as free will. So what is there? Well, there's luck, both good and bad, as well as what we make of it. Actually, that's not quite true. What you make of your luck is also just more luck. Once again, you didn't pick your parents. You didn't pick the society into which you were born. There's not a cell in your body or brain that you created, nor is there a single influence coming from, out, from the outside world that you brought into being. And yet everything you think and do arises from this ocean of prior causes. So what do you do with your luck and the tools with which you do it, even down to the level of the effort and discipline you manage to summon in each moment is more in the way of luck. So do you feel lucky? Now, determinism is pretty easy to spot in society. People say things like we've said, I was bound to do that, or it was just meant to be. 
we're going to have a little sung song. Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. What's the next line? The future's not ours to see. Okay, sarah, sarah. Is that true? Do you think, actually, it's really helpful to have that belief system in our arsenal just to say, well, how's this talk going this morning? Well, just whatever will be, will be. I'm just going to let go of it, surrender and accept the inevitability of things. Maybe the ride will be more enjoyable if I do that. Others might say we are losing something powerful if we just submit to inevitability. I also wonder if the future is ours to see if we engage in a certain dimension. So, someone might ask, well, determined by who or what? Now, we've looked at a few things as far as circumstantial things, material things, but this question's been around for a long time. We're going to sing a Christmas song together, which for you might be weird. You might think, it's October. It's Christmas all year round in my house. I swear, a number of times over the last six months, I have heard, Alexa, play Amy's Christmas playlist. Amy loves Christmas. And so I've heard this a lot. Through the years, we all will be together. What's the next line? If the fates allow, what are the fates? Do you know what the fates are? If you've seen the movie Hercules, you might have seen the fates. These are the fates. The fates were three um, characters from Greek uh, mythology. Thank you, I lost the word. Greek mythology. So we have Clotho, who spun the web, the thread of life. Lachesis, measured the allotted length. Sarah knows her stuff. And Atropos, cut it with the shears. So the Greeks believed in their kind of stories of how they thought about the world, that the fates determined your life. Do you believe in fate? Do you believe that things are just meant to be? If you think of maybe your romantic partners, was it just meant to be? Or did you freely choose it? Questions, questions. Now, can this philosophy of determinism help us? I think it can, to a certain extent. Empathy and patience. If I think, do you know what? That person who's really pissing me off, if I start to realise, well, do you know what? They were brought up in a certain way. They have had certain experiences in their life. I might think, and I've talked about this before, if I were you, I wouldn't act like that. When actually, in reality, if I were you, I would probably do what you would do, wouldn't I? Actually, if I put myself fully in your shoes, would I not make exactly the same choice that you're making right now? Because none of us make the wrong choice on purpose, do we? Like, we do what we think is the best thing to do. Um, I've watched a lot of documentaries recently. Um, I was on a plane recently, and I watched the documentary of Little Richard, which is absolutely fascinating. I think I'm going to cringe and squirm every time I hear Elvis referred to as the king of rock and roll after having watched that documentary. I watched the documentary of Whitney Houston. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Um, also, I watched one about a musician called Jacob Collier. Um, and David Beckham is a big documentary that's floating around at the moment. Now, I love watching these documentaries of people's lives because when you hear people's stories, you think, all oh, right. Is that why they ended up the way they ended up? David Beckham is an absolute perfectionist, like to the point of OCD, where it's literally like any blob on his kitchen surface, he's cleaning it up. His cupboard is absolutely regimented, like inline perfection. And you think, 
well, is that why he hit that spot in the top corner when he scored that goal against Greece? Is that why he managed to do that? You look at his story, you see his dad said, not good enough, nothing's good enough. He pushed him every single day from when he was a little kid, need to try again, do it again, do it again. Nothing was ever good enough. Was who he become? Completely determined by his past. It certainly helps you understand and be empathetic of other people when you include determinism in that sense in the way you see the world. It's definitely helped me have patience with people and more kindness towards people. Now, there are some funny things if you assume hard determinism is the truth. There is a theoretical physicist who has a YouTube channel. She's called Sabine Hossenfelder. I think she's German. Um, but she said this. By the way, how funny is this thumbnail? You don't have free will, but don't worry. <laughs> how can you not worry if you don't have free will? She says, we don't have free will. We're all just running software that's trying to optimize our well-being. Why am I telling you this? Because I think that people who do not understand that free will is an illusion underestimate how much their decisions are influenced by the information they are exposed to. Now, there seems to be some massive contradictions in there, because it's like, why, would, why could you choose anything different if you didn't have free will? Uh, anyway, I think there's something important worth noting in there. Are we aware of how many of our decisions are influenced by the information we expose ourselves to? Now, we often think, oh, let's just relax. I'm going to just sit and watch Netflix for two hours. And we think, well, that's not having any influence on me. I wonder whether actually this theoretical physicist is having a point. We have no idea how much what we expose ourselves to influences our thoughts processes, our philosophy of how we see the world. So what are we watching? What are we reading? The way you use uh, YouTube, anyone go on YouTube daily, flick through, see what comes up on your feed? To a certain extent, that is going to influence what we think, who we follow on Twitter, social media. There are thoughts coming at us. We might not, might not like being in a religious environment, getting preached at, but we kind of subject ourselves to that a lot through social media. We're getting preached at every time we watch a movie. A movie is created because a director had an idea that they wanted to get across into your head. Um, and actually, unless we have some intelligence to be able to say, what is this doing to my brain? What conclusions am I coming to? Then actually that might rob us of some of our free will. Okay. I once worked with um, people with learning disabilities and I did a course called Promoting Independence. Um, and one of the things they talked about was how a lot of people with learning disabilities end up disempowered in their lives because people always want to do things for them. So the whole purpose of my job as a support worker was not to do things for the person, but to try and get them to do as much as they possibly could. Like, okay, you might not be able to do the ironing, but we're gonna get you to do every single possible thing you can in that process. And the reason was because of this concept of a cycle, which was the cycle of opportunity, experience, and character. And they said, if you never give people opportunities, they will never have the experiences that would develop in them the character that it takes to take other opportunities that come along that it takes to get the experiences that it takes to have the character. Um, I was talking to my nephew recently, who's about 14, and I was saying to him, like, he's a, mu he's a musician, and he was like, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this choir thing, it's a bit boring, and I was like, if I've learned anything from my upbringing, take every opportunity, because that opportunity might just give you an experience 
that will then work in another um, concept. So I think sometimes there's something to learn from that, um, which relates to that determinism. The experiences we have do shape us to a certain extent. Okay, there's a slide which says, my DNA made me do it. Now, uh, obviously, the idea of determinism, if we accepted that, as many scientists that I've, said, I've looked up online, they believe that you don't have free will. There is a general consensus among some people that free will is an illusion. Now, imagine if we adopted that as a policy for our education system, that we said, actually, science now shows us that you don't have a free will, everything's just been determined by things. What effect would that have on children growing up if you taught them you don't really have free will? Like, you think you do, but it's all just an illusion. I've found myself in that place of living like that, and I've found what it does is it disempowers you from really engaging with the free will that you do have. There are lots of things that might have been determined, but if you throw away that idea of free will, you essentially become a slave to everything that happens to you, which kind of makes it very easy for other people to just push buttons, change your circumstances, and then you just follow along in what you've been programmed to do. Can you see how that might become a problem? Okay. Um, okay, I want to bring Joel up and Phil. I'm going to sing a little song that, for me, came out of the understanding that... When you look at somebody else, having love and empathy and understanding can be really helped by understanding that behind everything you can see in their personality and their actions are a whole load of things that you can't see. So let's do this. So what about Christianity? Some of you are thinking, stop going on about this philosophy nonsense. What about the Bible? Well, many of us were brought up with the idea that God has a plan. My dad's got quite ill over the last past few months, and it's been interesting what people's reactions to that have been. In certain circles, people might say, well, God's got a plan behind this. This was all kind of intentioned by God um, for your dad to get really ill and his nervous system to stop working so he can't use his hands and his legs. I'd argue against that. Uh, um, and they might say, but, but God's in control. Like that, that for some people is comforting to know that actually there is a power beyond us that, that's got it. I know it might seem awful at the moment, but actually it's all going to work out fine and it all kind of makes sense in the end. That is what's called theological determinism. It's that God determines every event. And where does that come from? Well, some verses like this might contribute to it. Ephesians 1 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now, I'm sure there are all sorts of different ways we can understand that. But I find it interesting that when I looked online, it was presented in this way, with cherry blossom in the background, which in that sense you think, well, then that's lovely. Like everything, like cherry blossom, it just it works out in conformity with the purpose of his will. I resisted the temptation to actually make the slides but what if we made a different background, like the atrocities of war, and then you were like, everything has been determined according to conformity with the purpose of his will. What if it was your favourite football team losing 5-0? Does God work out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will? What if it was the most painful moment of your life so far, 
Did God work that out in conformity with the purpose of his will? Or not? Maybe, the, maybe I think it was Paul that wrote this, maybe he understood something in a wider context than, and maybe I'm misunderstanding it. If you can help me with that, feel free to come and buy me a coffee and chat about it. Um, Because I think it's important that we're open-minded. It's easy to throw out something, even in the Bible, because we don't understand it. But I think it's always important to remain open to things. Now, sometimes we are looking for better answers, when actually wisdom can be found by asking better questions. It's very easy to say, well, do we have free will, or is everything determined? And I guess at the beginning, the guy who explained those concepts was saying, well, it's just one or the other. It's either this or it's this. Um, I'm going to show you a video now by a program called The School of Life, where they present maybe a more utilitarian option. How can these be useful to us? Let's have a little look at that, and then we'll conclude. Okay, so that video essentially was proposing, rather than feeling you have to pick this one's true or this one's true, and then getting in a fight about who's right, actually, which one's more useful for you? Maybe in some things and in some truths, we think, well, it's either this is true or this is true. Now, what our mural on the walls kind of helps us with is the idea that truth is maybe multifaceted, multidimensional. What you see when you look at that bit of paper is very different to what I'm seeing. And maybe when it comes to truth, actually understanding both sides of those things and how they can be helpful might be a better way of proceeding. Okay, so that is one way of concluding. That actually just... Either of these philosophies could be true. Just figure out which one is useful for you at the moment. And I think that could be helpful for us. But I've been challenged this week. I messaged Jenny last night and I said, I think this talk's made me believe in God. Um, Now, some of you might feel that that's quite flippant. Um, I grew up with um, a a certainty about Christianity. Um, To a certain extent, that was determined by my upbringing. What kind of free choice did I have in that? Um, So I kind of struggled growing up, well, how do I actually know that this is real, there is a God, or am I just believing what I've been told to believe my whole life? So I think probably the last 15, 20 years for me have been a process of questioning things and taking it apart, and I've probably thrown a load of stuff out, maybe like some of you, and now some of it's like, well, maybe maybe that was a bad idea to throw all of that out, so we're considering things again. Anyway, my t-shirt, why are we here? I was driving in this morning, And I thought, why are we here? And I thought, just because. And then something struck me that there are two ways of saying just because. There's just because. Everything has been determined just because that happened, just because that happened, just because that happened. And then there's just be cause. I feel like I'm doing an anth here. I think that's the kind of thing anth did. Took words apart. Just because. What do I mean by that? Well, the concept, well, people often call God the uncaused cause. The thing at the beginning of everything that set things in motion or that caused things. One of the questions that's been doing my head in this week is, is it possible to believe in free will and not believe in God? Now let me explain why I think that might be tricky. 
Determinism is based on kind of materialism. Now, what that means is that everything's kind of happened because this happened and because this happened. Even what I'm saying now has been determined by lots of events that happened before that. We're all just like dominoes and a thing happened at the very beginning, maybe a big explosion, and then all of that matter happened. And at some point, you and I were single-celled amoeba, um, and then we kind of randomly evolved a little leg, and then by evolution and survival of the fittest, we somehow managed to get to where we are today. But everything has been determined in that path. Whereas a worldview where you include God, it's like, where does free will come into that process if everything's determined? Do you know what I mean? Like, at what point do we suddenly have choice or not have choice? The question I've been thinking is, can I embrace the idea of free will if I don't think that that will has been given to me in some sense? Now, the Christian story is based on the Genesis story, which talks about how God made man in his image, or in their image, actually, because God is described as three people. So, actually, if I'm created in the image of a God, actually, I can live as a creator now. So, actually, rather than just saying, well, everything that's happened to me has made me who I am, it's just because, just because of all of this stuff. That might be helpful. There might be a, a dimension in which that's useful for us. But actually, I think faith can take us into a dimension beyond just what's logical and reasonable. Faith is not reasonable. Faith says, I'm seeing something that can't be seen. For example, I'm imagining something. I want to create a thing that doesn't exist yet. Like when I had a vision for the kids thing that we did here, it didn't exist it, it was a thing that wasn't, and then it was, and that's what faith does. There's a verse in the Bible where it talks about God calls things that are not as though they were. Well, in a scientific sense, that makes no sense to a certain extent because it's a, science is studying things that are, that are observable. You can see it, or at least you can observe the effects of it, whereas faith, maybe faith is stepping into a new dimension of like, okay, well, free will, determinism, okay, whatever, but what if I get to be a creator? What if I get to be a cause? Now, let me just scaffold this down, as we like to say. Some of you might be thinking, I have no idea how this is going to help me on Monday morning. Well, here's the application. Some of the ways that you live your life, you are living on autopilot, you're reacting in a certain way, and you're thinking, but that thing that happened has made me who I am. The way that my teacher spoke to me when I was 10 years old has shaped and formed me, and that's who I am. Some of the ways that we deal with things like um, the Enneagram or personality tests can sometimes be unhelpful because we can say, for example, me, I was never given enough praise when I was growing up, so now I just look to impress people all the time, and that's just who I am. I think that's unhelpful because actually, for me, the purpose of any kind of analysis of what's brought us to here is to show us, okay, so what are you going to do from here? Do you want to maybe determine your own destiny? Maybe you can choose this or this. Now the determinist would always say, yeah, but whether you choose it or not, it's always been determined by something else. Summit's got to determine it. And actually, if we f throw free will out the window, as Beth said to me this week, well, then there's no hope, is there? All there is is luck if you throw free will out the window. But if you embrace free will then you say, well, then I can create a new 
path. And no matter how old you are, no matter what has happened in your brain, I believe you still have the ability to create new paths before you. And I think that we can be a cause for whatever it is going forward. I got four minutes. What will I freely choose to do next? In case Sarah, Sarah, we sang, whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see. Well, I disagree. I think the future is ours to see. In fact, I think that, as human beings, seems to be something that we uniquely have. We can see something that isn't what we are at the moment. We can imagine a future. We can imagine creative ideas. We can imagine possibilities. The whole show that we've got going on this week, at one point, didn't exist. And now it is starting to exist because somebody stepped out in faith to say, that doesn't exist yet, but I'm going to make it a thing. And it will become a thing. And so we will create our world. Okay, I think this is where I'm going to conclude. I woke up this morning thinking about the Lord's Prayer, which is quite odd for me. But Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, how should we pray? Now Kev was talking the other week about kind of that sense of prayer of interacting with possibilities and imagining possibilities and that that can maybe make realities. But it's very easy to make that about something completely disconnected. Uh, It can always become about us maybe and what our will might be. Now what the Lord's Prayer does is it introduces a different concept. It says, our Father. Now that's an interesting starting point to start with. Do you believe you have a father or an origin point that's beyond just the evolutionary chain? Like, why am I here? Well, I'm kind of here because German Anna Sewell, 40 years ago, did something. But beyond that, I have a father. If I have a father that created everything, that's what Jesus was presenting. Okay, if you're going to pray, if you're going to imagine how to change your life, our father is a good place to start. Then he goes on to say, your will be done. So free will, we might be thinking, well, it's about what I want to do. But Jesus proposed this idea that if you want to make the world incredible, he called it the kingdom of heaven on earth. He said, your will has to be maybe subjected to somebody else. Like, I want your will to be done in a situation, not necessarily just my own free will. Um, In the story of Abraham, God comes to this guy, Abram, originally called Abra. Abram, and he said, you are going to be the father of many nations. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, Abraham was nearly a hundred years old. That's like a comedy sketch, isn't it? Can you imagine God saying, by the way, I am the Lord of all creation, and you are going to have kids. And it's like, I'm 40. I'm not sure I can muster the effort to have kids at this age. Imagine being a <laughs> hundred. I, I don't know. It might just be a story. But it's an interesting story because the whole element of it is, it says, I like this line, Abraham, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations. So he looked at what was, at what had been determined by circumstances, but then he believed in something that actually was ridiculous. It was beyond what had just been determined, but he thought might be possible. So... One of the things I was chatting to Jenny about this week is, for some of us, we might have questioned the concept of God to the point where we think, well, 
I'm not even yeah. the idea of having a Lord of your life or of God. It just seems a bit old and religious and unnecessary now. Uh, a question I'd want to drop in for us this morning: If God isn't your God anymore, as in, I mean, a God is the thing that you subject your will to, your free will to a God, and that God then you you let them tell you how to use your free will. If God isn't your God anymore, who or what is? Because I think something will be. Now, it might be our feelings. And I think something that's prevalent in our generation is that feelings have gone from something that you choose to overcome to something that actually calls the shots of who you are. It determines who you are. Well, if I feel like this, then that's what I am. I wonder if that's true. It's something that actually in our generation has become an accepted thing. If you feel this, then that's what you are. Is that true? And how... What consequence is that having in our life and in the way that we live and in what's working out? Um, is that working out well for us? Like, in some senses, we could say yes. In some senses, I know people are really struggling just to get out of bed in the morning now because they just don't feel like it. And I wonder if there is a dimension that we could engage with that might help us change that. Like, I don't have any definitive answers on this, but I feel like that's a question worth asking. Um, I'm just going to read the lyrics of a song that I've written. I'm not going to sing the song, but um, the the lyrics kind of seemed quite relevant, so we're going to finish here. The song is called There's More to See, and this is how it starts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are you ready for something new? It's time to discover a hidden dimension that's currently out of view. The magnificent, marvellous spectacular has been hidden by mischievous lies, but hope for a brighter day can be yours if you'll open your real eyes. When the impossible is clear and hope is giving ground to fear, the invisible is here, and what cannot be seen might soon appear. I've got faith to see what's out of sight. Everything's going to be all right. There's more to see than meets the eye. Who knows what possibilities are yet to find? Whatever's been and gone before, who says that limits what the future has in store? So whatever's knocking at your door, faith says, Believe there's always more. So come and close your eyes with me and just imagine what could be. Look beyond the things you see to embrace a new reality. Because trust, trusting only what you see around, that kind of life might let you down. It's not the wisest thing to do. There comes a time in all our lives to find where our potential lies. So step right up and realize sometimes you can't believe your eyes. I hope that has been in some extent helpful and useful in your lives. If you've got any questions, good. If I've missed a whole load of stuff, then hopefully there might be a part two where somebody can introduce some of that. But thanks for listening. Thank you for your time and have a nice day. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.